The title of this lesson is, It's a Two-Lane Highway, and it's all about communication. And boy, that is so important in a marriage. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk ab about some of those kind of things. Now, I've mentioned this before, and I, and I still believe this completely, but communication, communi you know, uh, you ask some people, what is the most important thing in marriage? And they're going to say, communication is the most important thing. Communication is very important in a marriage, and that's why we're going to talk about it. Um, but it's not, I don't believe it's the most important thing. I believe that it's the second most important thing. Commitment is number one. Um, if you're not committed to each other in your marriage, then you can have all the communication or lack of communication that you want to. If you're not committed to each other, um, uh, then, then the marriage does not work. Commitment is number one. Uh, there's, all, there's always a lot of communication, and in, in when an affair happens and everything else, there's a whole lot of communication going on between a husband and somebody else or a wife and somebody else. So, you know, communication can happen. Without commitment, the marriage does not work. And so uh, communication is important. That's why we're going to talk about it. But commitment is, is number one when it comes to the marriage and, and making a marriage work. And, of course, all of that is based on, um, uh, you know, a relationship with God, uh, first and foremost. But Ephesians chapter 4 today, we're going to get into a few different things in this passage. Um, but the U.S. Uh, standard railroad gauge, that's the distance between the rails, is eight feet, uh, f sorry, four feet, eight and a half inches. Four feet, eight and a half inches. And, and you might wonder why such an odd number. And that's because that's the way they built them in England. When they came to America and started to build the railroads, a lot of those that were building the railroads were obviously ex-Englishmen, uh, you know, expatriates of, Eng of England. And so they just picked up and used that gauge, four feet, eight and a half inches. And so um, they used that gauge because when the tramways were originally built in England, it was four feet, eight and a half inches. And, you know, well, you might wonder then where did they get that from? Where did, why did they choose four feet, eight and a half inches to be their, you know, their, their standard distance for the tramways? Well, the wagons were built to that scale originally. And because with any other size, the wheels didn't match the old ruts that were made in the road. So they had to build the wagons at four feet, eight and a half inches. Uh, and so the, the first long distance highways in Europe were actually built by Imperial Rome and they were, they were designed for their legions to be able to travel you know, freely throughout the country. And so the roads have been in use ever since. And, and the ruts were first made by the Roman war chariots. So here these ruts are made by the Roman war chariots that happened to be four feet, eight and a half inches wide. And then they had to make the wagons that distance so they could fit in the ruts on the road. And well, then they had to make the tramways because that's the size of the ruts. Well, then they came to America and, and that's, you know, that was the size of the tramways over there. So they just started doing four feet, eight and a half inches in America. And that became the standard. Uh, you know, so I say all that to say that maybe the, that's the way it's always been isn't the greatest uh, excuse that some people believe to, that, that it is. So when it comes to communication between spouses, that's just the way we do it, or that's just the way I grew up, is not always a good excuse, you know? Um, you might have grown up in a house that didn't have very good communication between your parents. Uh, you might have grown up in a house that, you know, just that's the way we always did it, was not the best way to do it. And, um, you know, so we get into these ruts in our communication and assume that there's no other way to move forward. There is a way that we can move forward, and, and we, you know, if you grew up in a home that was not like that, you know, 
where there was a lot of communication between the husband and wife, or like we're going to talk about with some of these things in this lesson, some of the some of the down uh, the downsides of of or, or maybe the uh, things not to do in communication in the way that we communicate. Um, but one of the most important areas in marriage is communication. That is honoring to the Lord and and really building up each other. It's so important. And regardless of what kind of influence you had in your past, regardless of um, your own history, a couple, uh, you know, uh, of a couple in communication, if you know Christ is your Savior, you can move forward with the communication in your marriage in a God-honoring way. And you can change anything that, you know, just because, well, we've been doing it this way for 20 years now, there's no point in changing you can change. It doesn't just because you've always done it that way doesn't mean that you always have to do it that way. I, I might get this quote wrong, but I, you know, somebody said this a long time ago, and it stuck with me. If you continue to do what you've always done, you'll continue to get where you've always gotten. If you want the same results, then continue doing the same thing that you're doing. If you want different results, you have to do something different, and that requires you to make a change. It requires you to do something different. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Brian, do you have any more of those right there with you? Can, can you grab one for me, please? I, I, always, I always grab one so I know what verses you have and which verses you don't, because I have a lot of verses written down here, um, and I, I need to know to tell you to turn to them. I forgot to grab one this morning. But in the book of Ephesians... And that's where we are this morning in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul describes the power, thank you, the power of the gospel to transform our lives. And I'm not going to get into, you know, all of what Ephesians is about, but in chapter 1 through 3, he really goes through and kind of explains the theology of salvation um, and what it means to be in Christ. But then in chapter 4 through 6, and, and, and for the most part, most of us are familiar, pretty familiar with the book of Ephesians. Um, but he gives us specific instructions related to those changes in our life. If Christ has really changed us, if we really are walking, like he says, in newness of life, then he shows us very practically in the second half of the book of Ephesians how to put those changes into effect. And, of course, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 17 says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. So God intends for our lives to change, and that includes our communication. Now, that's what we're, we're specifically focusing on this morning. So it's, it's good news, though, because that means that, that we have the power of the gospel available to us to make the changes in our life that we need to make to make us better people, to make us better Christians, to make us more spiritual people. And when we become more spiritual, spiritual people, then in turn, we become better spouses, we become better uh, you know, better employers or, or employees. We become better uh, at everything that we do. And the gospel has the power to change our lives in those vital areas. And marriage is certainly a vital area. So the words that we speak hold tremendous power. And I don't have to tell you that. You know that. Their power is, is increased exponentially when we say them to people that we love. Um, suppose a stranger walked up to you in the grocery store and said, I hate you. Well, you'd probably, you know, what brings that about, you know, but you just brush it off and keep going. Who cares, you know, what you think about me and, and why you hate me? But now let's just say that it's somebody that you love and they come up to you, your, your mother, you know, or your husband or your wife. I hate you. Well, that takes on a whole new meaning because communication matters. Words matter. And they especially matter when they come from somebody that you love or somebody that loves you. And so, you know, 
uh, our words hold lasting power long after we speak them. You can probably remember within a matter of a few seconds when somebody said something to you that was very hurtful. You can probably remember what they said and how they said it and how it made you feel after they said it. It could have been 20 years ago that they said it, but it, it, words last long after you say them. And you can probably remember something that somebody said to you that was very encouraging and very uplifting to you. And you remember those long after those words were said too. And so, um, the, you know, the words themselves might have lasted only a few seconds, but they, they have such power in those words. And so that's true in a marriage as well. The words that you say to each other have, have extreme significance. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21 makes that very clear as well. Death and life, get this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. I, I think too often Christian homes are no different than non-Christian homes in their communication. And, and, and let, me, let me just make this clear. When we're talking about communication, I'm not saying necessarily this is a part of it, but I'm not just saying necessarily that, oh, you need to talk. You need to make sure you talk to each other. That's important. We're going to talk about that. But, but even more than that, when I'm talking about communication, I'm talking about the things that you say or the things that you don't say. Uh, when we're talking about communication, I'm saying that a communication is very important in a marriage, but I'm, I'm also saying the things that you say in that communication are very, very important. And so couples who wouldn't think of physically abusing their spouse because, oh, we're Christians and, I, you know, I don't hit a lady, would say some very hurtful things. I know uh, in, in particular of a pastor, uh, a, a good pastor, who would never hit his wife, but he just abused her, very, you know, badly with the things that he said and the way that he treated her to the point that she finally left him. And they, they got their, their back together and everything else, but he's not a pastor anymore because of that. It, it, you know, and, and that's what I'm saying. I think, well, because, oh, well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, I would never hit my wife or the wife would never threaten her husband with, you know, a frying pan or something like that, that, oh, we're perfectly fine. If, if your communication in the home is not what the communication should be, then it's no different than, than a non-Christian home. Um, you know, husbands demean their wives, wives belittle their husband, there's yelling and screaming and, you know, the silent treatment and all of those kind of things. And uh, no, nobody wins in that kind of environment, not the husband, not the wife, not the children who are in that environment. And they see that and they pay attention to it and they notice it and it affects them. So, you know, I, I think, I think that maybe the saddest aspect of, of communication dysfunction in a home is not so much the things that are, are said, the harm that's happening, although that's, that's a very bad part of it, but it's, it's the good that's being missed. Home is supposed to be a happy place. Marriage is supposed to be a wonderful thing. Um, and when, we're, when our communication is not what it should be, not only, not only are we hurting ourselves by the things that we say and do, but we're missing out on the good things that we could be having in the home. And so... God created us with a need for that connection, that relationship connection between a husband and wife, between the parents and the children. And all of these things have to be functioning in order for that to happen. But marriage is the, is the pinnacle of fulfilling that need, that, relation, that relationship desire that we all have. And so, uh, but it requires that we communicate with one another in, in a godly and positive and kind ways. And so it, it requires that we are purposefully both driving in the same direction and in the right direction. Um, and this, you know, we're using this idea of being on a, on a road trip. And so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll 
keep along with that, but this, this idea of the communication highway. Um, listening and speaking into one another's hearts. That's what it's all about. So a, a relationship with, with poor communication is like a traffic jam. You're not going anywhere, at least not anywhere very fast. Um, yes, you might be moving forward, but you're moving forward so, so slowly that it's very hard to enjoy the trip. It's very hard to enjoy the journey. I can't stand, and my wife knows this, <clears throat> I can't stand being stuck in traffic. I would rather drive 10 minutes out of the way to be moving than to save 10 minutes and be stuck in traffic. I hate traffic. And it's the same way in our marriage, you know. I mean, sometimes we might have to go out of the way, and we'll talk about this a little bit. You might have to go out of the way a little bit to keep that communication going and to keep moving in the right direction. But in the end, you're going to be moving forward, you know, in a, in a lot better way. And so in these final eight verses of Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse uh, 25 to 32, um, we, we can see four guidelines for how our communication should be conducted. And rather, re- rather than read through that entire passage, we're going to get to each of these sections in this passage as we go through that. So kind of in keeping with this travel theme here, we're going to look at these four guardrails, four guardrails that provide um, safety and provide access along the highway of marriage communication. So the first one is the guardrail of truth. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25 says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Now, this guardrail lines either side of the communication highway. Uh, There's a ditch on both sides of the road. And I don't know if you've ever heard somebody say this to you before, but, you know, you're getting ready to head out, and they say, keep it between the ditches, right? As long as you're staying on the road, then you're good. And that's what those guardrails are there for. This is the, the guardrail of truth. It protects us from the ditches on both sides. On one side, there's a ditch of speaking anything less than the truth. And on the other side is the ditch of not speaking at all. And both of those are not good. So, well, I, I don't want to say something that's not true, so I'm just not going to talk. I don't, I don't want to say something that's going to be hurtful, so I'm just not going to say anything. In certain situations, that might not be a bad thing. But in the long run, just cutting off communication altogether is not a helpful thing for, for either one of you. So you have the ditch of... I'm not going to talk, and you have the ditch of a full-blown lie, and we need to keep it between the ditches. And that's what those guardrails are there for, that guardrail of truth to keep it from, to keep us from going into either side. So let's look at both of those guardrails. The first one is no secrets. No secrets. Uh, Lying has become a way of life for far too many Christians. Um, Hiding the truth, exaggerating the facts, bold-faced lies. I mean, all of those things are... um, lies, any breach in truthfulness, it's going to damage a marriage because it destroys, and here's, here's why I say this is the key, commitment is the key, uh, lack of truth in a marriage destroys the trust that's needed for that real communication to take place, and it, and it damages your, your commitment, your reputation toward commitment, you know, if you're, if, 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 if and, I, and, and I'm not this is just purely hypothetical, but if I catch my wife lying to me about something that is very important, I'm now questioning her commitment to me at the same time. Because if she's going to lie to me about something that's very important, then, then how can I trust that she's committed to me at the same time? And then it starts to put a whole lot of other questions in your mind. And so that's why truth, truthfulness is so important in communication, because it's also important to that commitment, right? Look what happens when somebody is having an affair in their marriage. It's all based on what? Lies, secrecy, right? I'm going here to go to the store, or I'm going to work, or I'm going on a business trip, and, and you're not doing those things at all. 
And that's all based in lies. It's all based in secrecy. And so if we establish that early on, no secrets, Proverbs chapter 26 and verse 28, a lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to lie to you. No, the Bible says very plainly, if you're willing to lie to somebody, that means you hate that person. It's a very strong word. A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it. Whoever you're telling that lie to, essentially, you don't care enough about that person to tell them the truth. That's what, is, that's what the Bible's saying there in Proverbs. Marriage is not a place for secrets. And that means there's a lot of things. No hidden websites. No, uh, no private texts or secret social media. You know, there's a lot of people who have their social media account and then they have their social media account. You know, this is the one that everybody sees. This is the one that I only have a few friends on that not very many people know about, especially my husband or my wife. That, I mean, that is, that is just absolutely basing your marriage on a lie. If you cannot have it out in the open, then obviously there's things that you don't want people to know about. And obviously, it's a secret that you're trying to keep, especially if it's a secret that you're trying to keep from your husband or your wife. You know, no hidden checking accounts, no hidden credit cards. Um, no, no blocking access to uh, current accounts, no secret uh, stashes of pornography, no hidden relationships. Every part of either one of your life should be fully open to the other person. Um, and, and, and you'd be surprised. I run into people often that are, that are looking for advice about certain things. And, well, you know, we have this account and then she has that account. Or we have this one, and I just found out about another credit card that he had that I knew nothing about. Why do you need that? Because you're trying to do things that you don't want your spouse to know about. Uh, I don't have any secret credit cards because I don't know how to pay the bills and all that stuff. So my wife does all of that. She takes care of all the money and everything else. I just put the money on. I rack the bills up and let her figure out how to pay for them. But, uh, no, the thing is, you can't, you, you should not. All right, when you get married... Why do people have separate bank accounts? Because they think in the back of their mind, there might be a day when I'm going to get divorced and I'm going to have to have this account, right? There might be a day when I'm going to need this for something, or there might be a day when I have to put a credit card in for something that I shouldn't be on, something that I shouldn't be doing, and I don't want that to show up on the main credit card for her to see it, right? And it's all based on secrets. It's all based on lies. It's all based on, you know, Lack of communication. When you got married, you committed yourself to each other for the rest of your life. There shouldn't be anything that you hold that's just yours. You know, I see it happen often, actually, uh, with, with wives more than husbands. Well, what you make is ours, what I make is mine. And this is in my account, and this is what I'm going to pay for, and this is how I'm going to run this thing. You, you make our family money, I make my money. And you can't touch that account, you know? That's, it happens so often. It happens, it happens a whole lot. And there shouldn't be that, you know? All right, have, a, have, a, have a, you know, a budget item or something like that where this is the wife's money and she, this is money that she can spend on whatever. But it should be out there in the open. And it should be, it should be your name and her name is on that account. Your name and her name is on that credit card. Your name and her name is on whatever. There shouldn't be any secrets. There shouldn't be anything that you're trying to hide from your spouse. This is actually the picture that we have of the first marriage. And, 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 and I get it. Um, Adam and Eve, they had total transparency with one another. Um, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 25, they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. 
uh, I know that verse is obviously speaking about the physical intimacy that Adam and Eve shared, but it reveals that they, that they had nothing to hide. They had nothing that they were ashamed of in front of each other. And, of course, they didn't have bank accounts and all of those kind of things. I mean, they were, you know, they were the first ones. There was, not, there was none of that stuff. Uh, but it's, it's very telling. They were very open with each other. And what changed that? Sin. Sin entered into that relationship, and everything changed. And now they were trying to hide things from each other. They were trying to, you know, they had things that they were trying to keep secret and so on. Sin thrives in the shadows. And when you hide part of your life from your spouse, no matter how innocent or how noble the reason may seem, you open your life and your marriage to disaster. And, and in John chapter 8 and verse 44, Jesus unequivocally stated that the devil is the father of lies. There's no truth in him. You're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do, he says. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. When we are lying and when we are secret, we are literally following exactly what the devil wants us to do. And sin thrives in that environment. Um, you know, there's a, well, I have this bank account because, you know, if I want to buy my wife a, a gift that she doesn't know about, then, well, I don't want her to know about it, so I have this account. And that's what I'm saying. Okay, it sounds like a noble idea, but it's so easy, so easy to turn it from a secret account so I can buy my wife gifts into a secret account to buy other people's wives gifts and, uh, you know, turn it into something that it's never intended or never should be uh, intended for. Um, any departure from truth in a Christian's life is opening the door to the devil. Uh, and again, you know, there might have been secrets that you have in your past. They, ha they have to be brought out into the open. Not, not for everybody in the church to hear about or anything like that. But between a husband and wife, you cannot have secrets. Uh, you have secrets in your past. They need to be brought out into the open between the two of you. They need to be repented of. They need to be taken care of. And it can be painful. And you might need to seek some godly counsel, some godly advice on how and when and where to talk about that. I mean, you know, sitting around the dinner table is not the place to admit some, you know, some deep, dark secret that you've been holding for the last 20 years. There's a time and a place for it. And there's going to be, there are consequences between the husband and wife for those things. But I, I'll tell you this, um, the, the hidden places in your life will pull your marriage into the ditch. You've got to get those things out. Um, it, for the simple reason that, you know, one of the greatest lies that, that the devil tells us, tells us and uses to keep secrets hidden is that if you expose the truth um, of hidden sin in your life to your spouse, it put a worse strain on your marriage. And, and no doubt it's going to put a little bit of a strain on your marriage when you expose those hidden secrets because obviously there are things that you've had hidden for a long time. There are things that you've been hiding. But the, the truth is if you're thinking to expose that sin that you're, uh, you know, with the, with the intention of, of going on and living in that sin, then yes, it's going to cause some great strain on your marriage. But if you are exposing that sin with an idea of, I need to repent of this, I'm trying to get it right, and that's the reason that I'm telling you, then it's actually going to build greater trust, it's going to build greater commitment, it's going to build greater communication between you and your wife, and it's going to, go, it's going to get those things out in the open. And, it, you know, it's, it's, it's not true where you expose it before it's found out, I mean, what's worse, telling it, getting it out in the open, talking about it, and, and, and making it right, or having your spouse find out about it, you know, without 
the idea of, well, I was going to tell you. Of course you were, now that you're caught, you know. But it's, it, it's, it's necessary to bring victory in your life. It's necessary to bring healing in your marriage. And again, you have to be so careful with how you do it and when you do it um, and, and the way that it comes across to your spouse. But it's so important that you get those things out in the open. Proverbs chapter 20, 28, verse 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. And I, and I believe 100% that that's talking about our relationship with God, but I also believe that it's talking about our relationship with everybody else. You have something that you've done against somebody else, the way to get it taken care of is not to keep it hidden. Confess it, forsake it, you'll have mercy. You'll have mercy. You may have a big secret that your spouse doesn't know about, maybe a secret sin or some breach of faithfulness in your marriage in the past. You need to bring, bring it to light. And you definitely need wisdom, probably counseling as well on the timing and the method to do it. But you have to. You you might need help even conquering that sin. But you're not. You're gonna. You're gonna continue living in it, and your marriage is gonna continue uh, to spiral downward until you get those things out in the open. Maybe you don't have any big secrets that your spouse doesn't know about. But everything is everything in your communication transparent. Is everything in your communication open? If your spouse knew everything you know, would he or she think less of you for not letting those things be out in the open? Uh, one of the best ways to promote transparency in marriage is to, is to embrace accountability with each other. Um, some people feel threatened by accountability. Well, they don't need to know everything that I'm doing. They don't need to know all of this stuff. They think that, in, that, that well, if, if, if my wife demands that she have the password to my phone, well, then that just proves that she doesn't trust me. No, that's accountability. And if you cannot live up to that accountability, why can't your wife have your password to your phone? What do you have on there that you don't want her to see? You know, my wife has passwords to everything that I have. And, and it's just, we've just done that from the very beginning. I have no passwords that she doesn't know. In fact, what's happened now is we have, you know, a good number of passwords that we use. But now she starts using my passwords for her, her accounts, you know, uh, I know her passwords to get onto, well, some of them, I guess, mo any of the ones that I want to know. Um, I, I can get into her phone. She can get into my phone. I can get onto her computer. She can get onto mine. Her, um, she, she can get into my email anytime she wants to. I don't have anything to hide. And, and the thing that keeps me from having something to hide is knowing that she can get into it. Why am I going to, you know, have an email correspondence with somebody that I shouldn't be corresponding with if I know that anytime she wants to, she can get on there and look at it? And, and the thing is, it's not just, well, she's randomly deciding to check my email today. We do a lot of things for the church through that. So she has to get on my email all the time. And I do it that way on purpose because I want that accountability. You know, I want her to be able to get onto those things and see those things so that I don't get tempted to, you know, have some kind of correspondence or do something on the computer that I shouldn't be doing. That's what that accountability is all about. And they have, you know, they have accountability software and everything else. I can guarantee you the greatest accountability partner you're going to have is your husband or your wife, you know. It's just amazing how God, you know, gives instinct, I think, and wisdom to somebody that you're close to. They, they can find that stuff, you know. And, and so the best way to keep from somebody finding it is to not get into it in the first place, you know. Why am I going to have a, a text conversation with some woman that I shouldn't be having a text conversation with if I know my wife can get onto my phone anytime she wants to, you know. And, and hey, you know, hey, can you grab my phone and take a picture real quick? You know, she's going to get in there. So, and, and that's what I'm saying. If you don't have anything to hide, then who cares if your wife or your husband has your passwords? Who cares if you're accountable to them? 
The reason people care about being accountable is because they have things to hide and they're afraid that somebody's going to find it. So, you know, um, and I don't know if you remember this or not, <clears throat> but Mike Pence made the news uh, a few years back because um, he mentioned that he never eats alone with a woman other than his wife. You remember that? And the media made a big deal about it. They talked about the Pence's being old and archaic and, you know, oh, well, that's just being downgrading to women because he won't eat alone with a woman. What, does he not trust that woman? No, he doesn't trust himself. And that's, you know, that's why, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not going to go go to a restaurant and sit there and eat with a woman alone, or I'm not going to meet with a woman in my office with the door closed alone. Is it because I don't trust her? Not necessarily. It's because I don't trust myself. And if I don't have some accountability set in place, then those walls break down very quickly. And that's, you know, I mean, how many times, it, it just in the past 10 years, have you heard of, of pastors or people in positions of leadership, you know, having an affair with somebody? How does that start? It doesn't just, you know, it's not just, you, you don't just randomly see a woman in your congregation and walk up to the woman and say, hey, let's go have an affair. It doesn't start that way. It starts with the lack of accountability. It starts with the lack of boundaries, you know, having a meeting in the office with the door closed, and, and she's very emotional because of something that's happened with her husband, and, and then it just goes from there. And so if you, if you don't have those things in place in your own marriage, then, then those guard, that's what those guardrails are there for. It's to keep everything open. It's to keep everything honest. It's to make sure that there are no secrets in your marriage. Everything is open between you and your wife. And that's why, for the most part, I, I prefer to have my wife there with me when I meet with a lady. But if I have to meet with a lady and my wife is not there, it's going to be in, a, in, a, in my office with the door open. And, you know, I'm sorry. If, if there's something that you cannot tell me with the door open, then you you know, you don't need to be telling me, you know, um, and if, if it's something that's very important, then my wife will be there too, and we'll close the door, but those are, those are things that have to be put in place if you're going to protect yourself, and if you're not going to have secrets in marriage, and I, and I know I'm using myself as, a, as an example of that, but it's the same thing that's true with you, you know, you, you can't, you, you have to set those boundaries, you have to set those things in place so that there are no secrets, there's nothing that's not open in your marriage, a helpful phrase, I think, to remember is elevate accountability, eliminate doubt. Elevate accountability, eliminate doubt. If your accountability is elevated, if, if your wife has all of your passwords, if your wife has all of your access to everything, then guess what? There's very little doubt. We have a, um, there's an app on the phone, um, find me or find my something, I forget what it's called exactly, but my wife could at any time log in and know exactly where I'm at. And part of that is so you don't have to say, hey, where are you? You just go on there and look at it, you know? But I'm not going to be in a place where, where I'm ashamed that she's going to look on that thing and find out that I'm there. You know, if I'm telling her I'm going to ride with the police, that's where I'm going, you know? <laughs> if I tell her I'm going to meet somebody here, that's where I'm going. And she can look on the phone and see that I'm there, um, or at least that my phone's there. I could, there's ways around everything. I'm kidding. I haven't done that. But that's, but that's you, know, you see what I'm saying? There's, there has to be accountability, and you have, to, you have to live by that accountability. When you elevate the accountability, you eliminate the doubt. And that's exactly, that's how I want my, life, my, my wife to live. I don't want her to have to be questioning, boy, I wonder where he's at right now. That last time he said he was going over there, and he actually, I, I wonder if he was really there. Why is that? 
because I'm accountable to her. And so you elevate that accountability, you eliminate that doubt. So don't feel interrogated. Don't feel violated because your husband or wife asks. And don't feel like your husband is accusing you or your wife is accusing you when they say, hey, what about this? You want that accountability there. If you didn't have somebody that was going to hold you accountable, then what is accountability, right? And it all starts with just being completely open with each other. No secrets, no secrets. Eliminate any doubt in the other person's mind by elevating that accountability between the two of you. All right, the second thing, and we're going to have to stop here, is safe sharing. Safe sharing. There's, there's more to truthfulness than what you don't say. Uh, there's also what you do say. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 25 uh, not only warns us not to lie, it instructs us to speak the truth. So don't, don't say things that you shouldn't say, but also say the things that you should. Good communication is proactive communication, where your spouse is the one person on earth that you can do and share anything and everything with. And that's what I'm talking about with safe sharing. That regular communication is the highway to that complete openness. So um, without that complete openness, there's going to be no real depth to your relationship. And that's why so many marriages fail after a year or two or three, because they never open those, uh, those lines of communication Without those lines of communication open, you can't develop that real depth that bonds you together when things get difficult. Times get tough. Eh, I only half like the person anyway, you know? And, and that's what happens. That's, that's why marriages don't last. So communication. Commitment is number one, but communication is a very close second. And we'll continue talking about this uh, when we get back together next week. All right? Let's pray. And we'll be dismissed for the morning service. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for the time we can spend together. Pray that you'd help us as we work through these things in our marriages, that they'd be marriages that are pleasing to you, marriages that, 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 are, that are fulfilling to, to each of the spouses. God, and I pray that you would just uh, continue to work through our lives as well. Pray that you'd be with the service here in the next hour. We'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen.